chapter 6. Hallelujah, Jesus. Get your Bibles. Go to Luke chapter number 6. We're going to begin in verse number 2 today. It says that there was a certain of the Pharisees that said to them, Why do you that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? They're addressing the disciples of Jesus on this point. Asking, why, why is it that you guys do the things that are not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? And Jesus answered them and he said, Have you not read so much as this, what David did? That when himself he was hungry and they which were with him, how he went into the house of God and he did take and eat of the showbread. And he gave also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. And then he said to them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. The Son of Man, he's speaking of himself, the Son of Man is the Lord also of the Sabbath. I believe that one of the most interesting dynamics to Jesus' earthly ministry is this amazing reality that he was flesh. That it was flesh embodying God. And we can understand that Jesus was a man walking around, but that it was God manifest in flesh, come down and putting and robing himself in flesh. What I mean is that it is it was very possible for those who lived in the time of Jesus to look at Jesus as flesh and to say that he is a man just like you and I. And yet, at the same time, Jesus makes this declaration concerning those who are able to understand who he is. He said that I thank you, Father, that you have not revealed these things to the wise and to the prudent, but in the mouths of the babes and the sucklings, you have perfected truth. Isn't it amazing today that the hungry can see Jesus as more than just a man? That you don't have to be the most intellectual person to understand who Jesus really is. You don't have to have studied every bit of scripture to understand who Jesus really is. That it was revealed to those who were of simple mind, but not just those of simple mind, but we see those of every, uh, every economic status that, uh, that they came to an understanding that Jesus Christ was God manifest in flesh. I'm thankful that it doesn't, uh, it, it crosses every social barrier. Isn't it amazing today that if you have a hunger to know who Jesus is, who Jesus really is, that he will reveal himself to you. He will make himself known. Jesus, he was a man. He was a man that he got hungry. He was a man that slept. He was a man that when things got difficult, he went up into a mountain to find an alone place that he could pray. He was such a man that they could look at him and 
they would say about him that he cast out the devils by the name of Beelzebub. He was such a man that they would look at him and that they would say, I believe that he is John the Baptist risen from the dead or perhaps he's Elijah or one of the prophets. They looked at him. He was a man that went up to the Mount of Transfiguration and he saw Moses and Elijah standing on either side of him or the disciples that were with him saw Moses and Elijah standing on either side of him in the transfigured state. And the voice came down from heaven while he was there and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And it says that the disciples on that day fell on their faces because they had always just known Jesus as a man. They had always just seen him. This is Peter, James, and John. They had spent time with him and they just knew him as a man. But yet now they see him in a glorified, transfigured state. And it says they fell down on their faces because they had not yet comprehended the full reality of who Jesus was. And he was such a man that when they woke him up, they woke him with a prayer request that they said, Master, they called him simply Master, Master, carest thou not that we perish? This is when he's in the boat along with them, he's sleeping. But when they waked him out of his sleep, he climbed up to the deck of the boat. He simply said, Peace be still. And the Winds and the waves obeyed him and every the tempest that was raging around them and not just raging around them, but the same tempest that was in their minds and the fear that filled their minds. All of this was calmed at just the simple words of Jesus. And they marveled saying, who is this man? Who is he? So what we find in the scriptures is that at an, that an initial glimpse of Jesus would leave the viewer unimpressed. In fact, the scriptures say that Jesus, he had no comeliness about him or that when you looked at him, he was not impressive. And in the way that he looked, Jesus, he did not step out onto the stage of human existence as the most good looking man or the man that when you saw him had a very commanding presence. No, they just saw Jesus and said, isn't this Carpenter's son, this can't really be the man that is going to save us and deliver us. They saw him in his flesh and he didn't really look like that impressive of a man. And here's where I, I want to come today and, and to ask this question. It's the title of what I feel today to share with us is who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Scriptures tell us that when Jesus would encounter situations that oftentimes the first thing that was recognized was the normalcy of his appearance. When Philip found Nathaniel, he was sitting there under a fig tree and he began to tell him that, you know, I, I believe that we have found the Messiah. And Nathaniel responds, he's asked, well, where, where is this man from? What's a region, what area, what town is, is he from? And he responded, well, he's from Nazareth. To which Nathaniel responded, well, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And I want to thank Philip for saying that and reminding us 
that you better come and take a closer look. Don't simply come and assume from your first observation that you know who Jesus is. You better investigate just a little bit more closely who Jesus is. You better put him under a microscope just a little bit to understand that what you are seeing on the surface is just like the veil that was covering the tabernacle. And it was unimpressive with the goat skins that covered up the outside of the tabernacle. But somewhere inside of there was the glory of God. And in the glory of God in the midst of that tabernacle, it was like nothing else if you would step into that. And if you see Jesus or when they saw Jesus at first uh, glance, they saw somebody who was unimpressive. They saw him in his flesh. It was like those badger skins. But when you took a peek inside and you began to investigate just a little further, you saw that there is something so much greater in Jesus Christ. If you see him for his fullness of who he is, he is not just a man, but he is God in flesh that Jesus Christ is the God of glory come down to into a into the form of man and come and robe himself in flesh see at first glance Peter looked at him and he said look you do a really good job of preaching but you stepped onto my territory right now that day when Jesus caught him at the seashore and and asked him to or go back out and to cast down his nets once more. And, and Peter responded to him and said, Master, we've toiled all the night. We haven't caught a thing. You know, why don't you just leave the fishing to us? Peter said, you know, here we are. We've, we've put a lot of work into this. We know what we're doing. But, you know, what, what if there is more than this than I realize? Something in Peter, what, what if there's more to this man? If this was just another fisherman that came up, somebody that I spent every day with, you know, I, I'd say go home, go and you know, forget you. I've been out here. You know how much work we've put in. But there's something about this man that I think I better listen to what he has to say. And so he says, "We've toiled all the night. Nevertheless, at your word. Nevertheless, at your word, we." We'll go out and we will let down the nets once again. And the Bible says that he let down the nets once more. And immediately it was as though there was a swarm of fish that came. And it, it began to take their nets and uh, almost sank the boat that they were in. They had to call their fishing partners, James and John, over to help them with the massive load that they had caught of all of these fish. And it was in that moment the greatest day of their professional life. That Jesus, he asked them a question. He says, why don't you follow me? Give up that very thing that you have staked your life on. And this day you've seen the greatest, uh, the greatest day of your professional life. But I want you to give all of that up and follow me and become a fisher of men. I want you to give up the very thing that you've built up and you, you've... And, Put your whole life, everything into that. And right now, you, you may think that I, you know, he ought to come, come along more often. 
And this Jesus ought to come along more often. And how often do we approach Jesus in that way? In a very consumeristic manner. Where we have our hopes, our dreams, our desires. Everything that we want to do. And Jesus comes along and he blesses it. And we say, yes, Jesus, just keep on uh, helping me get you know, get better at the, the things that I want. But yet Jesus sometimes comes along and he says, I want you to give up your hopes, your dreams. Come follow me. Be a fisher of men. I'm calling you to something greater, a higher purpose, a higher calling. And I want you to leave behind all the things that you think are important and begin to follow after me. Let me show you a new way. And it's at this that Peter responds, oh, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now it's no longer master, but it's Lord. And I'm here to tell somebody in this building that Jesus may be more than you ever realized he is. There may be somebody in this building today who sees Jesus just as a historical figure. Or maybe there's somebody that's watching on our live stream right now that you've seen Jesus as a historical figure and you believe that he did do great things but and, and perhaps was even a prophet. But let me tell you that Jesus is more than just a historical figure who had an impact that is stretched all the way to this day or worldwide. No, Jesus, he is not just a prophet. He is not just another man that started a movement. Jesus was God in Christ. That Jesus was God robed in flesh. And Jesus was the man who would take away the sins of the world. That Jesus upon further inspection is the very one that breathes life and purpose into us. That Jesus is the man. Come on, if you get to know him just a little bit more. If you really get to inspect who Jesus is, you see that he is a way maker. You see that he is not not just somebody that's going to come and bless my purpose and my things. No, Jesus has a better purpose and a better plan for my life. That Jesus, come on, is the very life if we would just follow after him. He is the God of glory. That's why when Jesus said that if you want to, you can come with me and this can be your everyday life. He said to them that, day that's come follow me catch men he wasn't just saying i'm gonna i'm gonna bless your mission and everything that you want to do no he was he wasn't just just taking a you know some small incremental changes and adjustments into their life jesus said i want to catapult you into a brand new purpose a brand new human existence because you no longer just see me as master but you see me as Lord, they got a little closer glimpse at who this man was. Jesus was offering them an opportunity to cooperate with his glorious plan of opening up the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven that was coming down into the earth through his earthly ministry. And we can see that they began to cooperate with that. They began to come alongside of Jesus Christ and, and to fulfill the, God's plan for their life. But... They did it by inspecting, who is this man, Jesus? How would you like me to offer you an open door? What if Jesus was offering you today an open door 
to become more than what you could ever imagine, to do greater things than you could ever imagine? What if he was offering you a, a greater glimpse at who he was? Would that spur you finally to act upon the very things that, you, that, that you've heard him uh, tell you or what the, the words in the book of uh, in the, in the scriptures are, are telling you to do would if you got a greater glimpse at who jesus is would you finally act upon what god is calling us to do i want to look there at that uh that opening text that we had in the book of luke he refers to himself when speaking to the pharisees that day he says uh refers to himself as the son of man the term son of man it refers to the, hu- the, the human record of descendants that first began with Adam. In Psalm chapter 8, it tells us, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. And then the Bible, it gives us in Matthew and in Luke a genealogy of Jesus. This is the birth record of his human flesh as the son of David, all the way back to Adam and every son in between there. And in Hebrew, if we were to look at that phrase, the son of man, it literally translates the son of Adam. That word man is in Hebrew, Adam, which is where... The same as Adam, the first man. That in the beginning, God made Adam. And Jesus often referred to himself with that title, the son of man or the son of Adam. But in this, Jesus wasn't merely saying that I am the son of Joseph or the son of David. He was saying, I am the son of Adam, the son of Adam. Adam was the very first human in existence. But what Jesus was coming as was the last Adam that was going to bring hope. Jesus said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so am I going to be in the earth for three days and three nights. And Jesus, he came down from the Mount of Olives and he turned to his disciples and he told them on that day, I am going to rise up from the dead. What he's revealing to them is that what man started in the garden as a sinful man, I am going to finish the work of reconciling them back to God. God. I am the only opportunity for mankind to be fully reconciled back to God. Because when Adam, the first man, sinned, it brought division. It brought it brought a break between what what God and man, or what God ever desired for mankind. And I am the answer. I am the only opportunity for. Man to be fully reconciled back to God. We can go to Hebrews chapter 2 verse 16. Where it tells us. For verily he took on him the nature of the angels. But he took on him the seed of Abraham. So I'm going to read that again. For verily he took not on him the nature of the angels. But he took on him the seed of Abraham. This word took on 
Those words, they come from one Greek word, which is epilemboni. It literally means to seize or to lay hold of, to reach down and to take hold of something. It means that if you're slipping out of, out of the hands, that you're, you're going to reach down and grab, grab that and pull it back to you. It's, it's as if, uh, it's as if you, uh, if you're drowning or if you have a child that's drowning, you're going to reach into that lake and, and you're going to pull them back by whatever you can grab a hold of. And, and it's, if it's me today, I'm saying if I'm dying, I don't care. You grab my hair, you grab my big toe. I don't, I don't care what it is. Get a hold of me somehow and pull me back. Get a hold of me. Don't let me die. Bible says you believe in God, you do well. The devils, they also believe and they tremble. I feel like while we're preaching about Jesus in this place that, that there is a trembling of the d- demonic here today because the enemy sees that the revival that God is sending to this church is present. It's here. It's now. And the devil sees the power of God that the Lord is sending into here. And I see a mighty revival that's taking place right here in you, through this church, through you. And he is going to launch an attack. He has already launched attacks on your marriage. He's already launched attacks into your workplace. Come on, there's some of you right now who are fighting hell and you don't know how to get through it you you say i'm just going i don't know how i'm doing this and you're fighting the attacks of the enemy because he sees we're right you are right on the verge of a breakthrough but let me tell you this this is why i bring it up because the devil is a liar he does not have the authority over you i'm here to tell you that god is right there to reach down and to pick you up the god of grace wants to place your feet on solid ground to make you to stand come on and you can stand in the power in the authority of Jesus Christ and look the devil straight in the eyes and say you don't have power over me devil you're not going to win this fight you're not in charge of me you're not going to tear me down this is not my last day I'm not going to backslide I'm not going to walk away from the church I'm not come on my family is not going to be lost lost. My my friends are not going to be lost. Well, there's somebody here today who you've been fighting hell and you need to look at the the devil and say, you are not greater than the God who came and to save me, to pull me out. Come on. My God is so good. That word epilimboni Beginning part of that ep, the epi uh, portion of that Greek word, it means around or to have a complete and a full view. We see the Roman soldier who came to Jesus, and he was he had a servant who was sick, and and he came to Jesus. This, this Roman soldier, understanding the power of authority, he told Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. All you need to do is simply pray. My servant will be healed. And Jesus said, well, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. And why is that? It's because he understood that Jesus, all he had to do was to declare it and it would be done. He understood that there was 
power in somebody who had authority. They could see the full picture. Who is Jesus to you? This is my question. Who is Jesus to you? I'm telling you, he can't just be, come on, the, the, the one that you want to come and you want to get all the warm fuzzies. He's not a warm fuzzies generator. That's not what Jesus is all about. Too many people come in and they just want to they just want to say, Lord, just, just come and, and make me feel better today. He's not just about making you feel better. I, I want you to make all of my problems go away. He's not even in that department. I'm just making all your problems go away. He is the Lord of your life. He is the God of creation. He is the one who is able to speak into situations. And yes, he can speak and a mountain can move. He can give you faith to pray a prayer of faith. And anything can be possible. But that doesn't mean that everything that you want and everything that you desire is just automatically going to come to pass. No, because he is the Lord of glory. And I don't want to make Jesus my pet. My pet, who I can just control and tell them you're going to do this and you're going to do that. No, Jesus isn't my pet that I can control. He is the one that's fighting hell on my behalf. He is the one who is fighting hell on my behalf so that I may have victory today. Come on, I'm telling somebody here right now. That we try... We try to come to Jesus so often and, and, and just tell him, you do this, you do that. And then when he doesn't do it, we get mad at him. You need to make this possible and you need to make that possible. And, and it doesn't happen in our time frame. And we, and we get mad. We start pouting about it. We say, well, why do I go? Why am I even going to church? Why did I show up last Sunday? Why am I there? If you're not going to answer any of my prayers, then what, what's the big deal about, come on, we need to take a closer look at who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? This word, epilimboni, is the exact word that's used when Peter began to sink when, Jesus, when he was walking on the water out to Jesus. It says that Peter, when he began to sink, that Jesus took him by the hand and he rescued him from sinking. So Jesus did not seize or take hold of the angels, what that scripture said. He didn't take hold of them. He didn't rescue them when they fell. But the Bible does say that he took on the spermatos of Abraham. He took on the seed of Abraham. This means more than just Jesus reaching down to hold the hand of humanity in your time where you are, where things are falling apart. This means that Jesus, he took on all the struggles and all the fight and everything that is happening with humanity by becoming humanity. He took a hold of humanity by stepping into humanity. I want, to hear, I want somebody to hear this right now. That he didn't seize you just by simply reaching down a hand from his heavenly throne. And catching you when you're falling. No, he laid hold of you by becoming one of you. He pulled you up 
and gave you redemption. That he took away the death sentence that was on your life by becoming one of you. That we have a death sentence on our life when we are born. No amount of good works, no amount of good deeds, none of that is going to save you. If you're talking, talking to someone who is wanting to know about what they must do to be saved, like I was just this past Wednesday night when I got a phone call at 11 o'clock at night and somebody came to the church, they just wanted to, they just needed a little bit of help. And I began to talk to them and, and Robert was there and we began to talk about, you know, what is your experience? What do you, what do you know about salvation? And, and we began to, to talk about the legal record that is, that is going to be opened up about our life one day and you have an accuser that's going to be standing there at the judgment seat and he's going to be accusing you of this and that and that and you know what he's going to be right about every account that you did do this and you did fall here and you did fall there in fact you were born into sin and so the accuser's job is pretty easy because all he has to do is to point to the very beginning and say look at the very beginning when they were born they were born into sin But yet the very judge who sits there on the throne room is also our prosecutor sitting on our side. And he says that look at this person right here because when I open the book, all I see is blank page after blank page because they went down in the name of Jesus Christ and they had every sin that was washed away from their life and they've been filled with my spirit to be an overcomer. They've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, they've experienced the new birth. And let me tell you if you have not experienced the new birth as scripture tells us in Acts chapter 2 of repentance and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and if you have not been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues I just need to spell it out clearly that there is no other way to get into heaven but by that way that is spelled out for us in the book of life And when Jesus came and died for us, when he became man, he was lifting up humanity and giving us that opportunity to have life. It says, greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life. He became the seed of Abraham. He took on the seed of man. He became the representative for every one of us by dying on a cross for our sins. See, Jesus, he became the son of man. He took hold of us. He rescued us from our fall. I'm here to tell you that, as as Paul did in the book of Romans, it says, not as it was by one that sinned, so was the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. The word condemnation, it's the same, same Greek word as when it says that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, we all... One day you're going to stand before the throne room. That great white throne judgment. But the reality is that the judgment has already taken place. We were all born into sin. And that judgment is something, it's not a future, it's not in a future sense. Yes, you will stand before the white throne. But if you have not had a new birth experience... There is no, that, that, that judgment has already been meted out. That condemnation 
This is a legal term here when it says there's condemnation. It's, it's just like putting somebody on death row. There's condemnation. You are condemned to die an eternal death. Unless you apply what Jesus did when he became flesh and died for us. I, I hope you get where I'm, I'm going today. I'm not going to, I'm going to wrap this up shortly here today. Now, here's what I want you to know is that there is only one way to get into heaven. There's only one way. You've got to get this through your mind. You've got to get this through your person that, uh, that, that there is no amount of good that you can do to earn your way into heaven. That is the lie of pride that causes man to think that you can rescue yourselves from hell. You can't rescue yourself from hell any more than you can step into a five-gallon bucket and pick yourself, pick yourself up off the ground. You don't have the leverage to do it. Only God who came and robed himself in flesh... And died on a cross for you has the leverage to save you from your sins. It's already been established. And the only hope that you have is that your prayers and your intercession can open up the hearts of those people that you are trying to talk to today. Who they think that they are good enough, that they have lived a good life, and that's going to be enough to get them into heaven. No. Come on, we need... To follow the plan of salvation that is written for us in the book of life. In this book right here. When it's true that your neighbors right now, if they have not experienced the new birth, are on their way to hell. Your co-workers are on their way to hell if they have not experienced the new birth. That your family members who do not know Jesus are on their way to hell. It's already been established. And it doesn't give me any joy to say that. So what do we do about it? What do we do about that? The only thing that I know to do is to get on my hands and my knees and begin to pray. When I'm not with them, I pray for them. God, open up their hearts so that they may receive it. When I'm with them, I share the love of Christ. Come on, I find a way to tell them about what Jesus did for them. I find some inroads to, to have conversation with them about who Jesus really is. I allow Jesus to become alive in me. And when I say, who is Jesus to you? What I'm saying is, is Jesus really alive in you today? Do you know him? Are you getting into the depths of who he is so that he can become alive in you and so that others around you can see there's something different, there's something real, about this person right here that I don't see in the person sitting next to me. There's something different about them that I don't see in the one that I grew up with. I'm on there. Students, you may even have somebody, a classmate, who they walk around holding the Bible every day in the hall. But if they have not... If they have not received and, and obeyed the new birth of being 
repenting and baptized in the name of Jesus and being filled with the Holy Ghost, then they are they're lost and condemned to go to hell. And I know that this is hard. You Maybe you're asking, Pastor, do you really believe that? Yes, I believe that. I believe that. And that's why we are come into their life. That's why you're in the school. It's to show them the truth of who Jesus really is. So those Pharisees, they had a, a hard reality of comprehending who Jesus really was. They saw Jesus in his human state, in the flesh, in his humanity. They couldn't comprehend that this man who was standing there was any more than just a man. But there were some who took a closer look at Jesus. There are some who they realized that when Jesus began to speak to them about the word of life and, or the, the, the way to obtain eternal life, like that man Nicodemus, and he was one of the Pharisees. Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him, you need to be born of water and born of the Spirit. That seems like a pretty narrow way. Seems like a pretty narrow path. Pastor, what you're telling me today is that there's only a small segment of people who are going to come into into heaven. And I'm telling you, yes, there is a narrow path. Scripture lays it out clearly for us. We must be born again. You must be born again. If you're here today, and I know I'm preaching hard today because I'm trying to get to the depths of somebody here right now. Trying to stir up just a little bit of action in in you. If you yourself have not experienced Jesus if you yourself have, have heard the words of Jesus, but it hasn't landed in your hearts enough to cause, to stir you to action, to say that I must be born again. I must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins. I must be filled with the Holy Ghost in order to inherit eternal life. I must be repentant of my ways. That I must follow scripture in that path. Yes, it's narrow. But when we have our, our, our uh, thoughts on the fact that the door is open. That narrow path. It doesn't really cause us much concern. Just the miracle of the fact that the door is open. That Jesus Christ did come as God in Christ and he did bear our sins on the cross to make it possible for us to go into heaven. When we have that reality and the understanding that the door is still open for us today, that overwhelms the fact that it's a narrow path. It's an easy path to walk down once you realize that God has made a way, that God has has given us an opportunity to to follow him and to draw closer to him every day. Well, it was those Pharisees that 
had trouble comprehending him. And I'm, we could have our musicians come. And Jesus, he said to them that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Remember, the Son of Man was looking at his humanity. It was pulling out the fact of who he was as a human being. But he says, the Son of Man, that I am also Lord of the Sabbath. Not only Master, I am Lord. But Jesus Christ today is able to overcome any obstacle that you have. Because he's not a man like you. Yes, he was full humanity. And he experienced everything that you experienced. But if you today have given up hope on Jesus making a way where there is no way. I want you to inspect Jesus a little bit further. Because he is the God of all creation. If you today have your eyes set on Jesus And it's all about what he can't do. I want you to look more closely at who is Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? Jesus asked his disciples that question. Who do men say that I am? They began to give their answers. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say this or that. You're the prophet of old. That's the prophets of old that have come back. Then he says, who do you say that I am? Peter answers, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. Jesus says, no man has revealed this to you, Peter. This has only been revealed to you by the Spirit. This has only been revealed to you by God. And what you speak right now is truth. Would you take a closer look at Jesus and realize that he is the God of all creation, that Today, I don't want you to give up hope. If you've been holding back on, on, on asking Him or believing in Him to do, some, do the impossible, why don't you just come to Jesus today and say, You are the Lord of all creation. God, I, I, I submit to You, Lord, everything that I have right now that, God, it's not about my timetable. It's not about doing things my way. But I still believe that you're able to make a way where there is no way. Well, if it's you today who you have somebody that is lost and they are, uh, they, they are condemned to hell because they have not experienced this new birth. I wonder if, you, if that's you today, if you would respond to the very thing that Jesus came to this earth to accomplish. He came to die for your sins. But in order for that death on that cross to apply to your life, you must be baptized in Jesus' name. We can, we can go there. It's, I already mentioned that the conversation he had with Nicodemus when he, he said you must be born of water and of the Spirit. But it's on, in Acts chapter 2 when they asked, what must we do to be saved? And he said, you must repent. Make a decision. Make a decision for yourself that you're going to follow after Christ. You must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have not been baptized and have that name applied to your life, today's the day of salvation. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Is he your Savior? Is he your Redeemer? Who is Jesus? Is he your Waymaker? 
Come on, could we stand all around this place? Who is Jesus to you today? If you were to inspect just a little bit further of who Jesus is, is He the one who can step into your situation and make everything make sense, make everything come to a place of, of clarity? Who is Jesus to you today? Is He just another man? He said, I'm not a man that I should lie. Who is Jesus to you today? Is he like the ones, are are you like the Pharisees who had a a hard, it was hard for them to comprehend that Jesus was more than what they could see with their very eyes? Is Jesus just somebody today who you want to come to and you want to leave this place feeling better because songs were good and, and you responded, you lift up your hands or do you want to submit fully to him right now? Do you want to submit your will to Him completely? Do you want to submit your life to Him completely? If you're being drawn right now, you're welcome to come and respond to the Word. Or if there's somebody here today who needs to be baptized in, in, in the name of Jesus, our baptismal is ready. If there's somebody today who has not been filled with the Holy Ghost, today is the day of salvation. Come today and say, I'm not leaving right now. I'm not going to leave this place until I have been filled with your spirit. God, I've tried. Oh, maybe you're, you're, it's you right now. You're saying, I've tried it before. I've lifted up my hands. I pray nothing's happened. I want you to come again. Come on. Would you look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe that your spirit, that you promised that they would receive. And not only they of the disciples that you spoke to, but those that are afar off every generation afterwards. That that includes me today. You would receive the presence of God. You would receive his spirit. Do you believe his words? When he's the Lord of all creation, he is not a liar today. Or is there somebody right now who can lift up their hands and say, God, let me know you in your fullness. Let me not underestimate the power of your word. Let me not underestimate the power of what you want to do in my life. Or is there somebody today that can respond and you would begin to pray and intercede on your neighbor's behalf. You would intercede on your family member's behalf because they are condemned so long as they have not received this new birth. Jesus said there's one way that I am the way, the truth, the life that no one would come to the Father but by me hallelujah Jesus oh Jesus help us here today Well, let us not respond half-heartedly right now. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to know you in your fullness of who you are.